Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fuck nicks, what the fuckerikens, whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves, how are you? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I am here. This is a big show for me. Today's guest is Carl LeBeau. If you don't know who Carl LeBeau is, he was Sam Kennison's best friend and Sam Kennison's opening act and one of my mortal enemies for a brief period in time in my mind that I will explain in a minute. So where am I at today? I have not slept. It was a it was a rough two days. I did the show in upstate New York with Huge and uh, Kurt Braunholler. Braunholler. I can't pronounce his last name. I feel bad. Very funny guy. We had a great show up there at State of Ithaca. Ithaca State, the theater. The State Theater in Ithaca. Holy fuck. Very good times. Thank you all to you, uh, all you WTFers that came out. All you what the fuckers. I don't. I don't have to say WTFers. I'm. I'm here and I'm on the mic. There's no one. T- I'm not writing it down. A lot of nice gifts, cupcakes, candied pears, very lovely uh, homemade chocolate maple things that a woman gave me with a beautiful poem. And I talked to you guys before the show. Lovely night. And then the next day, I was to fly out from Ithaca Airport at noon, got snowed in. There are two flights leaving Ithaca Airport, two flights that seat about 40 people, operated by Delta, operated by another airline, snowed in, no flights. Best they could do the next day, but those two flights were packed. How about Syracuse? Fine. How about a 636 out of Syracuse? Great. How about I get up to take a cab at 3 in the morning, didn't sleep, that would be last night, Spent the entire night, slept for three hours from 8 to 11. That was dumb. Woke up, turned on the cooking channel, watched about four or five drive-ins, diners, and dives. One Iron Chef, just food food porn all night. Took the cab up, had an amazing cab ride for $145 an hour and a half. Got an amazing story from the cab driver about being a musician, being divorced, being in Katrina, coming back to Ithaca. Just a heartbreak of the artistic life. Great guy, Leo. Made it from uh, Syracuse to Atlanta. Got to Atlanta. Get to the gate. Waited two hours to get to the before the flight. Sorry, plane's broken. What? Three hours. Wait. Another plane. Another gate. Great. Hour into that. Got on the plane. Hold on a minute. There's barf on a seat in the back. Someone's not going to sit down. So I'm thinking someone barfed on the plane. No, it was barf from the previous flight that was left on the plane by the cleaning crew. Two hours, they had to replace the carpet. Delta Airlines, thank you for eating two days of my life. Those of you who witnessed my tweeting. And enough with the rules about tweeting. Who the fuck makes rules? What is it? What's it all about? Oh, let me let me just deliver like three or four, you know, wrought over turns of phrases a day and maybe three... Um, snarky word doodles for you to enjoy that have um, uh, hash marks to things that are also funny hash mark punchlines and then I'm adorable. Fuck it. Fuck it. If I can't blast away, then I won't do it. If you don't like me blasting away on Twitter, go somewhere else. Listen to me making a stand about my Twitter freedom. Fucking ridiculous. There are people fighting 
for righteous endeavors in Wisconsin. Here I am. I can say whatever I want on Twitter. Yeah, I'm a real, real man. Got real labor issues. Fucking shameful. All right, let's get to today's episode. I'm, I'm tired. I'm worked up. And this is an important episode for me because Carl LeBeau played an important part of my life, played an important part of my comedy life, played important, an important part in my, uh, my maturing as a person in some way. The first time I came to Los Angeles, I was 22 years old. I just spent five years as an undergrad. The last year, basically working on a, you know, building my alcoholism and drug problem into something formidable, something I could be proud of. Went home for three months after school, and I was like, "I'm going to be a comic. I'm going to L.A." So I left New Mexico with an eight ball, some booze, drove to Los Angeles. Within a couple months, I got a job at the comedy store as a doorman. Thought I was king shit. Didn't have much material, but knew I wanted to do it. Had five minutes, six minutes, but I was I was there. I was uh I was sort of a drug king in my mind. Like I could handle my shit. I'm fucking Mr. Rock and Roll. I'm at the comedy store maybe a month. Carl Lebov was uh was back from the road. He was opening for Kennison, who who mind you at the beginning I was not a fan of. When I first saw Kennison on TV, I it didn't uh didn't do much for me. I said, all right, I get it. He screams. Okay, I get it. I meet Carl, and he looks into my eyes and says, you're, you're a doorman. Oh, I was a doorman. Sam was a doorman. We were all doormen. You're all right, Marin. I'm going to give you my watch. I didn't know what the hell that meant. I'm going to tell Sam about you, he said. I didn't know what that meant. What did it mean? I had no idea. Was it an initiation? So Sam comes back, and I end up sitting up all night with him doing coke, and then I get sucked into this world of cocaine and Kennison. The guy was like a human meteor. Blast right into your synapses, into your soul. Take over your body. You will just be a, a Kennison puppet, an anger puppet. You're in the school of the Sam. And looking back on it, I was one of those guys you know, my dad wasn't around. I'm not complaining, not really, but there was some part of me that I always looked up to people that had a lot of fucking momentum, that had a lot of personality. I was like, yeah, I want to be like that guy. I want to be around that guy. So I got sucked into this mess, 22 years old, fucked up on the yayo, lost my mind, legitimately lost my mind, coked myself into psychosis, was drifting away, and I became aware that these guys were fucking with my head, whether they knew it or not, whether it was on purpose, it just became a big mind fuck. And Carl and Sam were in on it, in my mind, and I resented them when I left L.A. with everything that would fit into my car, hearing voices in my head, paid off the drug dealer, bought some cocaine, got the fuck out, and I thought things were chasing me, and I thought two of those things were going to be Sam and Carl. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I I was fucking out. I had given them some sort of mystical power because I was nuts. And man, after Sam died, all I wanted to do was go piss on his grave and get it on tape. But that went away. And Carl, I ran into a couple times and that went away. 
But these guys were part of the most difficult, fucked up part of my life. I almost lost my mind for good. I almost lost my life. And this guy I'm going to talk to today was part of it. It's a long time ago. 24 years or so ago. And now Sam's dead. Carl's got something else he wants to talk about. I am going to talk to him about some of the stuff that's on my mind, some of the stuff I felt, get a little closure there and talk about his issue. He's on a quest for his own justice around something that you'll find out on the show if you don't know already. And uh, I needed a little closure just to find out whether or not these guys set out to destroy me, honestly. So that's going to happen right now when I talk to Carl LeBeau. It's weird that uh, it's relatively emotional for me. Carl LeBeau is in the garage. Carl LeBeau, who I never thought I'd talk to again. Really? Why not? Move that thing in. Yeah. Like it's radio. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, the weird thing is, is that you know, my memories of that time and, and you know, uh, Carl was, uh, you were Sam's, Sam Kennison's opening act and best friend mm. for years. Yeah. And when I met you. We were all just comics, I think, at that time, right? Or Sam was just hit. Maybe, yeah, I think so. he was just about to hit. And uh, and I came into the comedy store, long haired, fresh out of college, thinking I knew everything. And I got a job as a doorman. And everybody was talking about Sam. And at that time, I really had no idea, you know, the impact of Sam or what it even meant, what Kennison meant. And I'm at the comedy store. must have been the first or second week I'm there. And then I meet you. You're Sam's opening guy. And we start talking. And then, uh, you know, you guys, and you're, you're intense. You know, Sam was intense, but you got right into my head somehow. And you're like, oh, yeah, man, we were all doormen. Uh-huh. And then you gave me your watch. <laughs> I don't know why, uh-huh. but because I was so out of my fucking mind, I'm like, all right, he's trusting me with the watch. <laughs> what, <laughs> what does this imply? Oh, wow. And it was like, you were like, you know, Sam was on the road. You weren't, you had come back early and he had gone somewhere else. And you were like, well, we're going to have to, you're going to have to get to get, have this sit down with Sam. You're like, and there was this element to it now. And I saw you perform. And of course, like after I saw you perform, I was like, because I had no idea what it meant to be a comic. I saw your stuff. I saw, you know, the adventures of Red West, Elvis's uh-huh. best friend. I saw <laughs> yeah. the aging actor bit. And I was like, dude, you should be a performance artist. Uh-huh. Like I was all college, you know, sure, and, sure. And, and you guys all fucking just indulge me. Uh-huh. But then I got sucked into probably the most confusing, chaotic, fucked up time in my life. Okay. <laughs> I've heard many stories out there, but I've never got to talk to you about that. Oh, that yeah? Time. No, uh-uh. What do you mean? Well, I just heard that you left L.A. because of us and a hit on you or something like that. That's oh, the, a hit? oh, really? That, yeah, yeah, the yeah. myth has gotten that big yeah, that exactly. there was a, They're hit, there right, was right. a hit out like on a, me what? by what? the Kennison clan. Yeah, yeah right, right. Well, no, I mean, the interesting thing was I was, I was fairly impressionable but fairly cocky and... Uh, and I, you know, right away, the dynamic between you and Sam, it was primarily you and Sam, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Christy was around, your wife at the time, but I didn't meet her. Right. But there was definitely a, a sort of loaded, dark, mystical brotherhood dynamic. Right. Was there not? Yeah. I mean, we started together and shook hands and said, no one's going to take us down. We're going to make it. We're going to be Belushi and Aykroyd. Uh-huh. So to move from, you know, Texas 
from Houston where we were at. We were there a year and we were the big fish in the small pond, you know. At we, the workshop. We had done it. Yeah, we'd done it. And we moved out and got jobs as doormen. And so we we had to walk 10 miles to that job uh, from the Barham Oakwood Garden Apartments. Yeah. And we had no gas for the car. So me and Sam would walk that 10 mile stretch, which took two, a little over two hours. Uh-huh. And we started carrying guns and knives because we walked through some pretty bad neighborhoods. <laughs> did, so we were the only doormen. Uh, no, uh, yeah. pull it out, pull a knife out every once in a while. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, Mitzi found out, and that's how, what started the bad boys image for us at the club is that we weren't allowed to carry knives and guns, which is something you don't usually say to comics. Sure, you guys aren't allowed to carry knives and right. guns here anymore. But didn't you have an outlaw image in the sense that you know when you guys were at the Houston Workshop? It, for people who don't know that, I think that this this period of comedy that you and Sam and the outlaws and well Hicks obviously gets you know celebrated a lot, right? But it seems that Sam, on some level, gets a little bit dismissed, you know, as being some product of the '80s, right. but and not get, you know really fully reckoning with the the momentum of what what you guys were doing. But what was that like? I mean, in 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 Houston, because that was an important chunk of time. You guys toured as outlaws. Well, actually, uh, they they called us that. Uh, you know, uh, we'd come in and do our set. There was only twelve of us. At the time, and who was so, that? Well, uh, the bulk of them, if you can remember. Oh gosh, I can't. well, there was there was you and Sam and Epstein, Steve Epstein. Yes. Hicks was like twelve. Bob, Bob Barber. Bob Barber. Uh-huh. How old Riley, was Bill? Riley, Riley like, Barber. Riley Barber and well, Tracy. Let's see. I was nineteen or twenty, so Bill was three or four years younger than me. And he so, was there with you guys. Yeah, and what was funny about him is that he did a set and it had to be done by 9.30 because somebody had to drive him home by 10 because he had school the next day. <laughs> so that was, that was you know, you love that. Yeah. It like, and it was fun. It yeah. was funny, too. Um, but, then, you know, there was guys that were like Ronald McDonald's that did stand up. There was guys that did it for a year and quit. There was, you know, just that uh, that that group. But that uh, workshop got- Merriman, a, you know. Yeah, had a mythic sort of- uh, like uh, reputation because yeah. of you guys, and, and well, because we we didn't want to go by the rules. They hired a a, a guy to come in and teach us comedy, mm-hmm. and he was our artistic direct, director, and his name was Steve Moore, uh-huh. and he had you know uh, he had toured colleges and stuff like that. So right. he would set everybody down and and tell them you have to do the same thing every night, so I can approve it, so you can perform on the weekend in front of a paying crowd. Uh-huh. And we didn't believe that. I mean, we were artists, and it's like, no, aren't we supposed to go up and create every night? Aren't uh-huh. we supposed to bring something new to it every time? Uh-huh. And so we would show a set, he'd agree to it, and then on the weekend we'd do whatever we wanted to uh-huh. because we had confidence. We brought in this, this not a gang mentality, but we were all in it for the same reason. So it would, you know, me, me and Sam brought that in, and we would push each other every night. You can't, you know, don't do the same thing. Uh, improvise as much as possible. And if you get lost, one of us would save the other from off stage. And the other guy started picking up on it, and those guys that got in with us did the same. And that caused a dissension between management and us, uh-huh. which eventually led to us being kicked out. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good story. Now, when uh, when now was Sam still preaching? I met him two weeks after he quit preaching. So as our friendship developed, I'm from the same ministry. My family was from the same churches. So at, when we met each which other, which was what Pentecostal, Holy Roller, speaking in tongues, laying on of hands. <laughs> I, I have a bit in my act where I go, it was great entertainment as a five-year-old when yeah. I was little to watch adults slap around like salmon on Sunday because they just lose it. Plus, it's a big black band and they're yeah. playing music and yeah. it's just it just hits you right in the spirit. So it's really a dance. Uh-huh. It's, a, you know, yeah. it's a happening, you know? Yeah. 
so these people work hard all week and then they get to get to go hang out together and listen to this great music and some brimstone and fire preacher who's going to rile them out and they're going to leave and have another great week and come back and you grew up in that i grew up in that i was grew up, so that's entertainment yeah i grew up in performance so now when when you and sam you know would talk about that or when he came out of that i mean was there a sense like one of the things that I never quite understood about about either of you, because you you really were somewhat uh, you know kind of mystical people to me at the time. That I you know I, because the way I lost my mind okay. on all that uh, blow and all that insanity was right. like I got very paranoid. Okay, so which is where some of the stories might okay. have come from. I, gotcha. I don't believe that. I believe that I left L.A. because. I didn't know. I didn't think there was a hit out on me, but I, I, I do know that I, I was, you know, too psychologically vulnerable to deal with the rejection. Okay. But we can get to that. That doesn't matter. Right. But was there a sense that you guys, you know, Sam believed, to the, didn't he? I mean, I mean, he did yeah. not turn on Christ. Did, no, did, no, no, no. It's just that you know, uh, I, I asked him all these questions too because uh, you got to realize the guy I met, that the first guy I met, I thought he was the club owner. Yeah. First time I did my set there when we were all there to see yeah. if this was what we're going to do. I yeah. did I did my five minutes. Yeah. And I'm from an acting background. I had studied acting for three years out here in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And so when I did my set, I wrote out scene work. Uh-huh. And so I went and did this scene work. And when I got done, uh, I was, you know, it was well received and it made me decide to be a stand up. Yeah. So uh, I walked off and sat down and this guy walks up to me. Yeah. And he goes, hey, you're really great. Uh, are you going to be performing here from now on? And I thought it was the owner. And I went yeah i think i found what i'd like to do tonight you're, you're trying to get a job yeah well uh, because i i found that yeah. i love stand-up i yeah, love yeah. that expression yeah and i just found it that's you know 10 minutes later i'm sitting there going wow this is what i want to do for my life yeah and uh he goes are you gonna do it i go yeah i'm gonna do it i'll be back next week he goes good me too and i went wait a minute that's, that's something an owner wouldn't say and he goes matter of fact i'm on in three more you're gonna stay and watch me i went Oh yeah, I'm Sam. Yeah. He was in a suit, yeah, and he wore that church, and he had that church thing about him. Yeah. It was very powerful in yeah. a suit, you know. Yeah, and he knew who he was as yeah. an individual. He's five years older than me, and I assumed he owned the club. <laughs> and then he went on, and he did these great bits, and they were all religious based. You uh-huh. know, Jesus in a hurry, yeah. and all these other old bits that he did. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I just thought it was so dark and so different, and such a different twist. And and I wasn't even in the art of stand up yet. I didn't know anything about writing and yeah. putting together your your life experience into your stand up and uh we became buddies and i saw him you know every week and we slowly became friends and then we became the two guys that had to battle it out each night who was going to have the best set uh-huh. and then we became uh conversations that we'd sit and talk comedy at night and yeah. then we started talking spiritualism then his younger brother and i became very close he was my age kevin uh-huh. and one day they found out i was sleeping in my car and invited me into their apartment. I slept in Kevin's closet for six months. So he emptied out this giant closet, and <laughs> yeah. the three of us were roommates. Yeah. All we did was live, eat, and sleep comedy. Uh-huh. Now, but what was the talk about? Because it was always a question in my mind that, you know, because I was not brought up religious. Okay. You know, I, you know okay. I'm just a Jew. I am right. a fairly godless guy. Right. But there was this idea that Sam was, and I, I would have to put you in there too because of what you come from, was pushing the envelope in terms of... of whether or not uh, you would be forgiven. Right. Was that ever a conversation? Yeah, that was. Later on, actually, uh, when his life turned to another direction, I asked him these questions. But but when it was... The other direction? Yeah. You mean the, the drugs and the complete sure, out-of-control bullshit? Sure, yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of people's lives were destroyed because of the behavior back then, you know, yeah. the, of the people he around... He hurt everybody. Yeah, he hurt everybody around that edge. But I... Um, 
and I'll get to that because I think I've figured that part out. Uh-huh. Uh, but back in the early days, he had been the good guy for so long. He's, he was raised in church. Yeah. And uh, I was raised in church. Uh-huh. I was the oldest. Uh, Sam was held responsible. His father handed the mantle down to him as a preacher and said, uh-huh. yeah, I want you to preach. So he went and preached for seven years on the road as a traveling comic slash evangelist. Uh-huh. He was that young 21-year-old who'd come to Marjo your town. Marjo Yes, exactly. Same thing. And so he went to all these towns and he started preaching that, uh, you know, that, that story of Jesus on the boat when he was resting after. After weeks of preaching and they rode him out yeah. and uh, the storm started and all the disciples for the first time were carrying that conversation like oh my god this guy's healing people yeah. he's doing all this great stuff and yeah. then the storm started oh we're gonna die yeah. and Sam started preaching this whole story and he said and Jesus got up and said don't you know who you're with he goes guys look and he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water oh, yeah. like 15 page turns around and goes this is what you can do if you believe in the impossible uh-huh. which is what i believe in yeah the impossible uh-huh. and so peter one of the younger ones goes i believe you too and he gets out and walks on the water and then all the other disciples go hey you're walking on the water as soon as he realized he was doing something impossible splash he went down uh-huh. well then jesus grabbed him by the hand, pulled him back up and said, because you believe I'm walking you back to a boat of safety. So they walked back. So Sam goes, I'm preaching that and it's all up for interpretation. It's like your act. You yeah. know, something happens in the news then you yeah. just twist it and turn it into your particular style of humor. Uh-huh. So as a preacher, he would take that biblical story and he said, you know, in life we all get in these boats of safety. Let's say it's a job that pays good money, but you don't really like it, but you know, you're making your money and you're taking care of your family, blah, blah, blah. But inside you is a dream. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. And you won't do it because now you're in safety. Yeah. So you turn into one of those people that judges everybody else out there yeah. and you're not doing it. Right. And, and so he goes, I think that we need to stand out if we really believe in the power of Christ, which is in us, not a religion. Mm. That, that, that belief system is up. He just came here to show us a better way. He didn't say write a book about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just one of those cats that lived it out, but he was the guy of his time. So, he, so eventually, Sam reinterpreted that story as meaning that he was Jesus. No, he, <laughs> he interpreted it to say, "I'm tired of preaching. I want to be a stand-up comedian." And the next day, he quit and became a stand-up comic. And I met him two weeks later. Oh, he man. went for his dream. But was was there a sense of, uh, you know, God, I hope I did the right thing. Oh, plenty. Yeah. Oh, plenty. Because I remember him paying. I remember you and I and a couple other dudes. Ralphie, the backdoor guy, were up at his house. I can't remember what the hell we were doing up there. The one uh, up in the hills, not the one in Malibu. But you know, every once in a while, you never knew. Oh, you. Yeah, yeah. Sam would sleep on the floor, and we'd yeah. all be up for three or four days. Yeah. And we were there, and he was pre- he played an old tape of him preaching, uh-huh. of him going back to try to preach. Like at some point, he'd started doing comedy. That first year, uh, right? First, actually, first couple. And years. the whole sermon was about someone breaking his guitar or something. And uh-huh. You could tell he had lost his way a little bit uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on the pulpit. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, well, you lose your chops, you don't perform enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the message wasn't so clear. But, you know, I listen to many Christian shows. Uh, I have a, a bit that I've done for several years, yeah. and I save it. It's very, But it's called The Christian Comic. Mm. And it's where I'll go on stage and pretend to be a Christian comic mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, I know you heard about my past, outlaws, yeah. drugs, the stories, but I found God recently and he's changed my life. So it's great to be working this club as the only born again Christian comic uh-huh. and the crowd's just staring oh, at me, no. but I'm, but it's an acting piece. Yeah, sure, I mean, sure. I'm no, so I know, there yeah. and it's yeah, so real. Yeah. And I, I go, please don't come up to this show and thank me because I'm being used as a vessel 
Yeah, the, Lord, <laughs> the Lord's work. Give it to through. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does that go over? Uh-huh. Oh, it's in stunt. I've had people walk out after about 10 minutes. No. And the owner has to chase them down and go, it's wait till he pops this. <laughs> you're, you're leaving too early. Yeah. You got caught up in it. You think it's real. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, you know, you're kind of, and so you come out here, and I remember, like, one of the missing pieces in my personal history of comedy is what the hell happened between him and Bill you know, when, when Bill came out here and you guys were all together. Bill also went into his drug phase and got paranoid also and thought that... Uh, so it was the Sam second hit, one? Yeah. yeah, so we'd already been through one. I, I mean, so you were nothing. Was, at least I'm in good company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Bill got lost himself. Oh, so, he uh, Yeah, and he was younger than us. And so he just thought that we didn't like him and all this stuff. I didn't find out till. Ten years later, I ran into him in Houston, and and uh, we went out and had some drinks. And yeah. then he goes, "Let me ask you something. Why do you guys hate me?" I go, "We don't hate you. We love you, man. Yeah. Are you kidding me?" Yeah. And I dis disavowed that whole story he had created in his head. Well, I, yeah, it was helped along by uh, by the 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 blow and the oh, it sleep takes one bad acid trip, brother, and you don't well, talk a, to well, friends. You know what for it was? Time. It was the fucking sleep deprivation. Uh-huh. That's what gets you. It's uh-huh. not one event. It's just that, like you start to come unhinged of all those times. But that was also an interesting point, you know. You know there's always this idea, though, that like once things got fucked up, you know, and, and I don't know how in on it you were, but there was a sort of brotherhood thing involved yeah. and and there was this idea that you know there were sort of parameters you could you work within but once you fucked off you know once you crossed a line with sam or with you mm-hmm. that that you know you're gonna have to be punished a little bit right and and then reabsorbed right that, and that was sort of a, a little brain fucking in a way wasn't it uh for us it was street mentality because we just survived for five years so so at the comedy store you got to realize we were doormen yeah like you were and we got picked on we got pushed down and all that stuff and then when we started to make a little noise and we started to get people that that got to know us and liked us then we started fighting back and one of our laws was if you mess with any one of us this particular group we're all coming after you and that's how we flipped it on the comedy store back then yeah. because those comics weren't as cohesive. So there was a code. There, there was were a laws. Code. There was laws. What were the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we ended up breaking them too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just remember, man, it was just always this kind of, because it was my job at that time. You know, you'd come up to me or Sam would come up to me and give me a few hundred bucks and then I'd go buy a bunch of shit at Pink Dot you know, yes, you know get, yes. get like booze and paying cigarettes. your dues yeah. being around the guys yeah, and, yeah. Get, uh. well i guess it was paying my dues for you guys uh-huh. it was not standard comic paying right, the dues right so, but you know and then i bring them all back up to the house and you guys would show up with the freaks and then someone would get mad that i get the wrong kind of cigarettes and uh-huh. they, they all sorts of, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah but but that was sort of the idea i saw it as some sort of internship it was <laughs> it, it was internship. A, I knew there was a plan. That's like when we created the Outlaws and we started traveling around. We let Schubert and uh, Sparky and That was all after. Those, Charlie Chisel, yes, that, but we still kept that. Those guys still had to pay their dues on the road, but they got rewarded with five minutes in front of 5,000 people. And what were like what were some of those dues? I mean, like, you know, because I remember there were certain things I couldn't handle. Uh, I, I certainly probably couldn't handle a lot of it. I, I remember there were a well, couple. Well, we were of- looking for our own kind. I mean, because we were from the doorman, so we we loved the doorman. So right. when we came back, you know, we always were great tippers. We were always making sure the guys ate. Remember all the pizzas we used to buy for oh, all those yeah, parties? Oh, hell yeah, dude. We used to have those That parties. was just for the doorman. You yeah. Know, that was for the bar staff. Sure. Because we were all starving guys for five years and we knew what it was like not to eat all day or two days in a row yeah i, I remember I, some of that was instilled in me remember, because yeah i'll always bring food to the comedy store uh-huh. like if i go out to dinner and then go do a spot because I'm you like, know the door doorman, guy's gonna eat it those doormen their families don't believe in what they're doing yeah. why you got an education what are you doing out yeah. there living on the streets or in your car oh, yeah we we were from that too yeah. so we returned it so then when we liked guys and we started hanging 
we, you know, we've been burned a couple of times where guys would come up and hang twice and then go back and tell these horrific stories on us that weren't true about the gang. You know, yo, they're up there and all this crap's happening. And it wasn't. And they were just getting away from us and trying to make up stories. So they look Well, it's scary so up there. We, yeah. So well, actually, it wasn't. <laughs> it was, you just stayed up too long and you talked, what, philosophy, uh, religion, and comedy. So you were like, okay, so now we're coming up to around, uh, this is like most of my memories are 1987. Okay. So that's, I mean, you know, I hit the So we're the two wall. years into... Uh, to touring yeah because we like came that. to your house like mm-hmm. i missed all that i my I did fell, you go to my malibu house no i fell apart uh you know before you know you guys went big i okay. was actually at the party at your house uh for the premiere of the hbo special gotcha. for sam's hbo special gotcha. there was sushi that no one uh-huh. could eat because we we're all gacked yes right. but there's a lot <laughs> It's a big. We used, to go to ben, we used to go to Ben Frank's and we used to eat the biggest steak, and yeah. then the dealer would show up. We'd all do coke and go vomit in the yeah. bathroom. Like it made no sense. Or the Roxy, eighty bucks a steak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Roxy uh-huh. was that, and, and uh-huh. so I was, uh, I was there for that. And then things started to get weird. You know, I remember there was one. I'm just going to get some of this uh, yeah, sure. off my chest because it's good to see you. There was one. There, there was so, a couple of stories I'll never forget. The, the whole "never deny, never confirm" thing. That was like you guys' favorite that was, saying. Uh-huh. What did that mean to you? What was well, the point? Because of it? you couldn't control the stories that were out there, true or false. Right. So we just figured, hey, if they're talking about us and it turns even bigger, yeah. Uh, you know what? They carried guns. They put a gun to your throat. Yeah, yeah. You know, a gun to your throat, yeah, as opposed you, to a knife. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> exactly. And that's all it was was a knife. It's simple. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to take and turn it into a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah I well there was this one time where where things started to get weird and it, and it actually started between me and you. Here's what happened. Yeah, I, I'm sorry if I'm bringing this stuff yeah. up. It's not that. I big don't a even deal. know what it is. It's, yet, so it, don't it, apologize. It, you know, after it, you bring it, it up. it's all minor shit. Sure, but I'll never forget it because there was a time I was in the parking lot of the comedy store because I was living in Crest Hill and I would go, you know, live down. At the, I'd go make coffee at the comedy store and listen to music in yeah. the OR because I lived there. It's a giant living room. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you know, I'm out in the parking lot and your ex-wife Christy comes driving up in a new red RX-7. Uh-huh. Says you want to go for a ride and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. Uh, so we get high, we drive around the hills. We made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we never get we never get in Carla Bob's wife. Car, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a yeah. mistake well yeah. so uh so we drive around we get high she drops me back off and then like i see you later that night and i say uh that's a great new car you got and you said uh, really i wish i'd gotten to ride in it before you <laughs> and i'm like oh what, what do you mean he's uh, like well i didn't fucking get to ride and i'm like uh, what happened then you storm off and it's uh, bad and i'm like you know what, what's, what's happening to my friends uh, and then i'm freaking out and then sam pulls me aside and starts walking me around the parking lot going well you never want to put a man in a position where he has to trust you uh-huh. <laughs> and i'm like oh fuck what am i in a sam peckinpah movie you yeah, want- <laughs> right right <laughs> and then like then all of a sudden i'm like I'm, this is cowboy land yeah i mean like i've broken some sort of weird code well, you know what you accidentally walked into no a guy who was married to uh the nastiest woman he'd ever met <laughs> so i didn't trust her out of my eyesight uh-huh so that's all that was okay well i feel better about that i mean i'd buy her cars and stuff but yeah, you can't as long as you know where around it is. the parking lot. Sure. Just to run, <laughs> yes, right, right where I can see I, you. I see you, baby. Right, I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great. Honk it. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> now come back in the house. Yeah. I uh, all right. Well, so that's where things started to disintegrate around my relationship with you guys, and eventually I hit the wall. And and in the story, what happened was there was that night where uh, I think you were there. The, the uh, where uh, I've told the story before. Where I brought that guy in after three days and Sam had pissed on my bed because yes. of the Satanist. Yes, I love that story. Thank God yeah, for that story. Yeah, because you, you, the way you stared at Sam and he goes, I just pissed all of your bed. 
because you owe me a thousand bucks. So I thought I'd just take it out on your bed. And there was like ten of us standing there. Yeah. And I thought you had gone to pick up your brother or something. It was like that. it was my buddy who okay, would come buddy, in. Yeah. Come in. And so you stand in there, and both of you are just staring at us because <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And you go, and it, well, yeah, they'll have a door open, and a guy go, hey, I just pissed all over your bed because <laughs> I fucked up right? his guitars. And you just slowly turn to your buddy and go, see, I told you I knew it. <laughs> and man, we all fell on the floor. It ended the whole weirdness of the moment. It was all tense for that second, but we all laughed our asses oh, off. I mean, it was, it was great. That's yeah. comedy. Yeah. And then I got weird, and then I left. And then all I heard back was that thing got huge that there were the i heard myths that you know there were guns around you know someone had you know hit mark goldstein right get there, well all, that did happen that was just after sam's brother committed suicide sam just went off the deep end he felt guilty for not watching over his brother so that was the start of sam's trip down into the deepest parts of himself where we lost him Okay, well, let's talk about that because you were there, and you know, and needless to say, I mean, you've been doing great comedy all along the way, right, 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 and right, that right. you know that you, you know, even I mean, though not right, but I know well, you're but, talking about we're talking about me, but we are talking but about I mean, our th- past. But there Sam. is something mm-hmm. ab- about this thing, and there's a lesson I learned, you know, th- through a couple of things. Right? There were a lot of hard lessons in, in that weird cowboy time and that insanity. Was that you know. There are satellite comics or people that attach themselves to people with uh, larger careers than them. And the one thing I learned from Sam is, is that, you know, there was this idea that he was going to save everybody some time. Yeah. And and it was something that he would say. And you'd uh-huh. be sitting there. He's like, I'm going to take eight years off your career. Man. Right. And I didn't realize off my life. Right. But I, <laughs> right. But but the, the, it was all contingent on your proximity to him. And and I'm just curious because this happens still. I mean, there there are posse's, there are people that that latch on. And Mike Becker, who was a, a Mitzi's assistant at the time, yeah, called them satellite comics. And you know, obviously, like someone like Jim Schubert, who who, who I'm going to have on, uh-huh. who's been who I talked to, was was initially a dice satellite comic, and then right. somehow or another, you found, found his way, yeah, found, found his, his way, voice in all but that. he also found his way into the Sam orbit. Uh-huh. Now, in, in retrospect, you, in looking at your career. Do you feel that you were overshadowed or the proximity to him was ultimately something negative? Well, no. I mean, I've, look what I've learned in life. Look what I've been through in life. Uh, I've got to live out my dreams, and I met another guy that was going for his, too. It was just a time. I mean, yeah. it was a band was formed, basically. Right. And you you don't control it. Yeah. You go to you go to play uh, you know, your music somewhere, and you run into your band. Yeah. John Lennon, Paul McCartney. You know, I mean, what do you, what do, you do? There's your writing partner. Right. There's the guy you bounce off. Sure. You're so opposite that it works. Sure. And that's what happened. So I was just going for my dream and ran into my Paul McCartney. Right. You but so, I mean? so now we're getting to midway through the story. You've right. made a lot of money with Sam. You know, you've probably, and then, you know, I think that the bit earned every dollar. I, you know, know. I was the wealthiest <laughs> unknown there was. <laughs> I was the only thousand there in Malibu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My neighbors were, the, you know, these phenomenal homes. There was these mansions. And... But you knew the the you know you knew the price of this. I mean that. No, bit... no, no. You get not yet. I didn't. No, That's... but you your bit. And this was like when you guys were still tight. The the Adventures of Red West was, was so cre- specific. Yes, that was created in '87 because we were, had a big party at Malibu, and in the middle of this party, Sam walked up to me and said, "Hey, listen, here's 300 bucks. Do me a favor, go to the store and get this, get that, and get that." And I looked at him and just stared him down, <laughs> and he got it. He knew exactly what I was saying. I was like, "Sam, I have a thousand bucks in my pocket. Why don't I have one of the guys that does that go do it?" And it just hit him. He was trying to pull it on me, and I yeah. wouldn't let him. And so the two weeks later, we were playing in Vegas, yeah. and I went up to everybody and said, we all have to write an Elvis joke because it was the anniversary of Elvis's death. Uh-huh. Right? And that's when I created uh, Inside Stories of Red West. Uh, do one. Uh, 
And now it's remember? time for a true inside story about Red West, <laughs> Elvis's best friend. Elvis, I don't feel like doing this, man. This is kind of embarrassing. Can't you get someone else to do it? You got to do it, man. I'm the king. I, I know, but I just don't feel like leaving. Hey, man, I bought you a car. You better do it. That's right. Uh, Priscilla, what kind? Stay free? Okay. Elvis was someone come around. Oh, God. Elvis is drunk again. What's he on? I don't know. He's got pills and needles sticking out of his back, and he wants us to do something for him. We're Scylla! Scylla! Oh, man. Oh, God. He just vomited on his belt. Somebody clean my belt, Red! Clean my belt! I got, I got shit on the big E. <laughs> I forgot that one, man. Oh, that was a great one. Where you, you just like, you lean back and you flick something off of the belt. <laughs> Red, get that speck off the floor, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, that was all based on him telling me to, he put me in a position of being Red West. Yeah. And I didn't allow it. I was like, no, we come too far, dude. We yeah. met as equals and we're going to stay there. I don't care how big you get, you know? And that's what made it special. Tell, tell me what you've learned. Now, now Kennison. Sam and his brother Bill, they come their father was a preacher. They come from preachers. They are preachers and this is its own world. Yeah. It's a different business altogether. And it's a macho cuz I remember that there was an, a conversation that I remember Sam having saying that I was going for the big I was going for the satellite station. Yeah. That that there was an agenda there uh-huh. that he was the next in line as a preacher and he was going to make it he was going to take the family business right. global. Yes. Now there's a personality that is very because this is the one thing I know about Sam, and the one thing that you know you wrote on to only because you were part of it. That there was some charisma that motherfucker had, oh, yeah. where he would take hold of you, sure, and he knew he had it. Uh huh. And and, and find your weakness, and then he'd pull you right. That at. wasn't hard. I'm a fucking my. I'm a yeah, walking weak yeah. with comics. How but hard I is saw, that? To I saw him find do your it. weakness. Watch your act one. I saw him do it with the greatest. I saw him do it with people that we wouldn't think would have a weakness, and he just you just talk to him for a couple of days, and he'd find that one thing, whatever it was, one that one yeah. little spiritual. Don't think about it, Mister. Uh, yeah, don't even. Yeah, <laughs> that one little spiritual weakness, and as soon as he found it, he'd get in there. And bam, then he'd own the guy. Now, he, right. <laughs> Fuck, great. So I was a bitch. I knew that. I, yeah. you know, I, I talk about having done my uh, graduate work but and cutting cocaine. But we loved comedy. So that time period, it wasn't him, him using. I mean, look. We, yeah, but we wait, wait, it. wait. We loved comedy. But also when you're like, you know, like you said about comics, we're guys that, you know, we've made a tremendous sacrifice with our life. That's we right. don't have a tremendous amount of support. There's That's a lot right. of fear on behalf, on behalf of our family That's and right. ourselves that we're entering a life that we basically live Unknown like answer. fucking gypsies. That's right. And we're willing to take that, that risk. Uh-huh. And then this guy comes along with all that fucking confidence and all these big answers uh-huh. so i mean yeah we all loved comedy but like right. some of us were like there he was, can you're lead right. us yes you're right there was a leader and then you, and then you were talking uh, a little bit about you know that n- the nature of the preacher personality having grown up in the church i mean what did you learn about that? well you know i saw these guys with four to five hundred people in front of them every night yeah so their job is to be the is to teach that congregation that they are the go-between between those people, their dreams and the truth with God himself. So you come to me the middleman. and I will pray for you. Yeah. You come to me and I will heal you. Yeah. You come to me <laughs> yeah. and bring your daughter who won't go to school. She's what, 16. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to develop. You bring her to me. Yeah. And I will talk to her. Yeah. You bring your son, nine, <laughs> with the shorts. Yeah, yeah. You bring him to me. Dan's too old. And I was, <laughs> they start to talk a lot. Then. 
they start to question things. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's why all these guys have these problems. You know, you see uh, Jim Baker and all these other right. guys, and they have these problems with the prostitutes and the boys and the girls and, and all that. You know, it's because they they get used to having the power over their congregation, and, and everyone comes to them for everything, and, and the phone rings and, all night. And the way that megalomaniacal you know possession breaks down is something that you saw at the end with Sam. That yes, you know, exactly. like you know, he was a guy that would that because of his ego. Yeah. And because he had this charisma, which comes from somewhat of a fragile ego yeah, you know, sure. to begin with, was 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 vengeful, petty, uh-huh. uh, you know, hurtful. Sure. So yeah. the other mm-hmm. side of that, that prideful uh, charisma is this you know, horrendously insecure and vindictive and dark motherfucker. Right. So when they pass away and you get to grow up 20 years past that, you get to see all that. But boy, when it was happening, we didn't. All right. So now let's talk about the, the collapse. Uh huh. So, okay, so you guys go on this massive tour. You bring Sparky and Jimmy Schubert and Giselka. I was not part of it. Literally, it took me a year to shake the paranoid bullshit out of my head. I left L.A. and I went to New Mexico and I got my passport renewed because I didn't know if I was going to have to leave. Uh It wasn't clear to me what you guys were going to do. Really? You thought we were going to do something? I did. You were always cool. There was no big deal. You got weird. Sam was a powerful man. No, you created it more than that. I'm telling you. I promise you. Sam never had a thing against you. Like I, I was back in L.A. I'd gotten my shit together. I was doing something. I went by the comedy store, and uh, you know, and Sam was in the main room. There was that, you know, and uh, I saw Magic. I said, I- I'd like to have a few words with him because I needed some closure. I felt that there was something fucking. I had to, you know, I, I needed say to, something. yeah. And uh, and he just said, you know, I don't know if it's good. And it was because Sam was a mess. He was bloated. Right. Like he came out, and it was this weird realization that I'd never had when I was younger because I was so impressionable. When he came out, just bloated off his game, yeah. uh, you know, clearly fucked up, yeah. but different. Like it was not like you know the clarity of the fucked upness back in the day. It was like you know he had lost control of something. Yes. yes. And I had this weird realization. I'm like, holy fuck, he's just a comic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And 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 because of when I was 21 and I went through all that shit with you guys, I mean, it was bigger than life to sure. me. But then after a few years in the game, I'm like, oh, I don't, I yeah. don't need to. Right. You know what I mean? It's I don't done. Need to salute anymore. It's it's it, or or or, guy. or expect him uh-huh, to, to be a savior or, or, or be to apologize. Oh yeah yeah yeah, gotcha. Well, he didn't remember a lot of his actions too. So you know, well, that's the benefit of being fucked you've up. You've been there. I mean, I've been there. Sure, sure. You know? There was a few chunks of time There's I missed we out. Find out later we did what to who? Yeah, oh, man. man. Let me put you on the Never list. Had a yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we had long cleanup list. Man. Yeah, yeah. I've still got a few. Get to this one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When when people come up to you and go that night. We and I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I'm not sure I know about this. Especially night. with the confirm or deny yeah. crap that's still out there. Yeah. And you don't know if you really did that to somebody. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Well, there was some shit. Oh, people have said some shit. But uh-huh. all right. So so things started to go bad. How, when did you know that was happening? So it was the death of Kennison's brother? Yeah, it was 87. Where it really so right when, after I left. Right after you left, that's when we rolled around town and beat some people up because they were talking. And, and, and that was really me being with Sam trying to stop him. But he was just out of control looking for someone to punch. He was angry at life mm. not at anybody in particular mm-hmm. and then mitzi uh, called the uh, dea and set us up for we got do you hear about that bus no oh we're out in malibu and i hear a helicopter and i'm in i got this glass wall that looks out of a football field and in the ocean forever yeah in this house i'm renting yeah and i hear <laughs> and i go 
what the? And I'm on the phone with Sam because we're going to leave in like an hour yeah. in a limo to go to the airport for yeah. like three weeks. Yeah. And I go, I hear a helicopter. He goes, I saw one earlier. And I go, but really close. And then right from the bottom of my cliff comes this black helicopter. And it just, I mean, 100 feet from yeah. me. And they just kind of stop right there. I go, well, someone's rented a helicopter out here on our private beach. Yeah. They must have been laying out. Now they're flying out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we get to the airport, and we got all these. I mean, we'd sent the guys earlier, all the outlaws yeah, earlier, yeah, yeah. so they're all there. But they're standing there with their luggage yeah. as we pull up. Yeah, and we get to all these these baggage handler guys. They go, "Okay, which one's our bag?" I go, "Everything in the trunk." And then there's two inside the uh-huh. car. And me and Sam get out with the girls, and he goes, "Okay, which one's your bag, sir?" And I go, well, the, "That that bag there's mine." He goes, "Okay." And Sam, uh, "Hey, buddy, how's you? Uh, which one's your bag?" And Sam goes, that, "Those two bags." Everything goes great. Hands up in the air, DEA. But what? Oh. Hands on the car. No. They, yeah, frisked us down and uh, and pulled us aside, and then they knew which ones were our bags and took us down into this because there's a cop station at the yeah. LAX and went through every one of our bags and looking for coke. This supposedly we were delivering, you know, kilos of coke. To, oh yeah, that's yeah. Him. But it was Mitzi's way of of getting him busted so that he could get help. Oh really? That's what we found out later. But at the time, that's maybe, an, God forbid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God you didn't have any coke. Yeah. Oh yeah. That Did was you? waiting for us. Oh, it was. No, we just had you, pot. Thinking ahead, just had pot. Got to plan ahead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> plan ahead. That was the tours. Yeah. <laughs> you don't travel with the stuff. <laughs> I mean, just a little vial. <laughs> Something you can throw away. I mean, quickly. that was back then when you used to get the stewardesses high yeah, on yeah. a flight. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. So that was her way of getting someone help. Right. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And did that work? No. <laughs> and that was the tirade that we went on afterwards where we were trying to find out who did it, who set us up. And then that was, the, I heard there was a that story was a that up didn't they have DEA agents at the store? And I'd heard that yeah. pictures were taken and, uh-huh. they, and the joke that I had heard or whether it's true or not was they thought that Mitchell Walters was one of the kingpins. Cause he cashed there were actually photos of him with every drug dealer that came to the store. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect guy too. <laughs> That's the perfect guy. He must be. I got him. a little taste. Hey, hey, got a little taste. Remember that? Yeah. But that he would be the guy that, like, because he actually was with all of them. Like, he must be the delivery guy. We do like Atlantic City or Vegas or something, yeah. and we get done with the show, yeah. and we'd all get together, and then all the celebrities that came to see us would come hang out. So we're meeting Clint Howard and yeah. and all these fun people, right? Yeah, yeah. And we party, and then you go, "Hey, where's Mitchell?" And he goes, "He just borrowed four hundred dollars from me." Yeah. So he went off stage five minutes instead of meeting all these fun people. He At borrowed. From yeah. somebody who was already at the table. <laughs> yeah. And you see him an hour later up in the room, you come in and go, Anybody got some taste? Anybody got some taste? I got eight hundred dollars on me. <laughs> so he won his four. Oh God. I hope we uh don't get in trouble for talking about that. No, he changed his life too. Oh, he's good? Uh, he's real good. That's really awesome. Good. You keep in touch with everybody? Uh, uh, no, uh, just that uh, I keep in touch with him. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Jimmy Schubert. All right. So now, like, w- the real shit hits the fan. Like, he tries to get clean. He doesn't get clean. You're right. part of that. Uh, he tries to get clean. He does get clean for a while. And then my dad dies, and that spins him out again. So I go home to. Bury he knew your dad? Very well. Yeah. Hmm. So I go home to bury my father, and uh, he goes off the deep end and causes more trouble in his life. So when I come back, there's like a what? train wreck. Oh, God, gunshots at the house and all this other stuff. So he's losing it. He's totally losing it. A lot of coke. A lot of coke. And I took him to AA, and we ended up meeting Ozzy Osbourne. And Ozzy goes, I'd love to hang with you guys. So we scored some shit, and we partied for four days. <laughs> with Ozzy. <laughs> from a meeting. We went from a meeting to a four-day binge. 
<laughs> and I called up Schubert. I go, you got to come over here. None of us can drive, and we want to go out, but we need more coke. <laughs> oh, oh uh, where are you guys at? Oh, I, I can't. I, you know, I'm a huge fan. I can't. You know, jeez. Fuck. So it's just you guys hang out. Ozzy. I saw Ozzy for '86. Yeah, man. I go. Listen, don't bring that shit with you. Don't come in and be a fan. Do not come in and be a fan. Come in and be really cool because we've been up four days. We know each other now. We trust yeah. each other. Don't come bring that energy in here. Okay, Carl, I trust you. I won't. <laughs> so he shows up. I go, Ozzy, this is a friend of ours, Jimmy. And Jimmy goes, nice to meet you, Ozzy. I go, very cool. Yeah. We get in the limo. We start yeah. to drive. So Jimmy, just, he's just boiling. <laughs> he's just boiling. His little head's bopping. And he, he can't help it. He's turning. He goes, I'm sorry. I got to say this. <laughs> I got to say this. Ozzy, you, you don't know what you mean to me. I mean, I saw you. Yeah, A3, A4, uh, stuff you did, you know, uh, it's unbelievable. And here I am in a car sitting right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> and Ozzy looks at me and he looks at me and goes, let me ask you something, Jimmy. Do you believe in the devil? He goes, oh, do I believe in the devil? <laughs> um, you know, I believe in us. I believe in right and wrong. Uh, I believe what you put out comes back. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't really believe in like the devil per se, like as a person <laughs> sitting in a chair. No, no, I don't believe in the devil. He goes, that's interesting. Cause for the next three days you'll have the most horrible of nightmares. <laughs> oh, no. And then he turns to me and winks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy goes, and never said a word the rest of the hang. Oh. So twenty minutes, twenty minutes. We get to this restaurant. We order some food. Get the bar. Comes up, and Ozzy gets to pee. And Jimmy turns to me and goes, "How do you get rid of a hex?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Yep. Yeah, I made that mistake a couple of times with you guys, where stars would come. I remember with Clapton, and you know, I was a, too much of a fanboy, and I got the shit look for that. Got the stink guy for, uh-huh. yeah. for not. Uh, yeah. Be cool, act like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was that whole rule, and I remember like you were backstage with Clapton of all people, and mm-hmm. I, I shake hands with Clapton. I go, I touch the hands <laughs> of God. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah, boy, that was a heavy, yeah. that was a heavy Sammy stink guy on that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was sent outside, but don't the... ruin it. He won't come back <laughs> yeah. if we all fan him. Yeah. All right, so so he's fucking spinning out of control, shooting guns and shit, uh-huh. and, uh, and I've got a crazy marriage, and I've got you know, I've uh, Christy, got, yeah, 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 I've got. All that craziness going on, and your dad just passed away, and you've got it, and it's like you're the only yeah. guy that can manage that fucking monster, that Sam, right? Right, right. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, one of the interesting stories is uh, Bill Kinnison comes to me. Bill was our tour manager last Sam's year. Sam's older brother. Sam's older brother, and he comes to me and he says, "You know, do me a favor. Uh, Sam won't sign a living will, so uh, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to sign his will, and you witness for me because if he dies, the state gets everything, and the family gets nothing." And, you know, we've all been through a lot with him, and I'd hate to have it all lost. Yeah. We don't own his comedy. We don't own anything. Right. And I go, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll sign it. So I signed that. Yeah. Uh, and then a year later, Sam died. Now, okay, so the story that I got is that you were in a car behind him. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. We were on our way to Laughlin. So it was, uh, Bill was driving, Magic was in the passenger seat, and I was in the back seat of a So the drug, the drug dealer was back on board. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That's right. He comes in and out of the picture many yeah. times. The, the doctor the... was uh, was in session. Yes. Yes. And um, and what happens? Uh, I lay down in the back seat and I hear I go to sleep and uh, I hear the the someone yelling you know watch out in a distant voice in my brain you know, yeah I'm I'm gone and um, and then I realize it's Bill and watch the guy Sam watch the guy Sam watch the guy Sam and then I just heard 
two automobiles at very high speeds smash and stop instantly. And our van stopped, turned into slow motion. Uh, there's a timing to near death. No, oh, no doubt. I've been in it many times myself. And I just felt that free fall from the seat into the floor. And you hit a car too? Uh, no, we we stomped our brakes to okay, right, right, behind right. them. Right. And everything went forward. Right. And when I pulled that door open, all it, all that was in the air was smoke oh. and the sound of glass still hitting the cement. And it was that fast, you know. But it was just timelessness. Yeah. And my first thought was somebody's dying here yeah. because I'd been in it myself. Yeah. And I When were you in, in it? I had, I had a car that I flipped in eight times that I was driving back when I was a young comic before uh-huh. I moved to LA. Uh, yeah, an actor. Yeah, I flipped a car, came off a mountaintop. And Someone die? No, close. I had no seatbelt on, and I flipped eight times. And you're just waiting time, for it. I had to have that conversation with myself whether yeah. I was going to live or yeah, die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how timeless it got. Sure. But I realized, and I go, I'm not getting hurt, and the glass is flying all around me. But I felt like I was just absolutely protected. And and but you got a sense. So you're so there's smoke, slow motion. You get out of the car. I walk up to the passenger seat of the car, and uh, I don't see Sam. I see was Malika. it smashed. I mean, the front end was smashed up. It was a head-on collision. A head-on collision. He was the the it was a pickup truck uh, that was doing I think eighty or ninety by the time they hit Sam, and, right. and Sam had slowed down to twenty-five. Yeah. So his front end of his car was just crushed, and uh, I couldn't see him. And then I saw Malika in his passenger seat, and she was in the fetal position, not moving. And I thought she was dead instantly. So yeah. my first eyesight said she's dead, and then I heard oh, and I looked in the back seat, and Sam was in the back seat with his legs in between the two seats of the front seat. So uh-huh. he had, he'd been blown back there, and he had just a little cut, a little blood on his. I said, "Okay, you stay still." And I turned around to a truck drive by and said, "Hey, uh, you know, get on the horn." He goes, "I'm on it," and called the hospital. Yeah. And when I turned around, Sam had moved into the seat of the car on his own. Yeah, on his own. But he was crushed. The steering wheel was gone. He took out the steering wheel with his chest and the glass was broken and, and indented where his head. So he broke his neck, crushed his chest and put bones through his heart. But he was talking. He was, well, yeah, he was going, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I said, you're not going to die, buddy. You just be quiet, stay calm. You're not going to die. There's no blood on him. Yeah. Just don't move. And I turned back around to get somebody to move this stuff out of the way. And when I yeah. did, he came pushing himself out of the car. I caught him. I fell on my butt. He laid across my lap and looked up to the right and just started talking to somebody and said, I don't want to die now. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I've been to this story many times uh, where whoever came, somebody came to greet him. Yeah. And he saw them very clearly and had that conversation. My dad saw somebody, my uh, Sam's stepfather, who I was there at his death. He saw somebody and was talking when he died. Yeah. Uh, so this was that experience. Uh, I found a little boy that got hit by a car in 87. I was the first person on the scene. And I put my jacket on, held him. And he talked to someone, his grandfather, thanking him. Uh, for his bike yeah and uh when i t- when i went to the hospital and i told the parents i said i found you i was the first one there i found your boy and he was talking to papa john and yeah. thanking him for the bike they go, oh yeah. my god that's his grandfather's grandfather died a month ago and the yeah. bike was the gift he had just given him so i knew i was in that moment of death and that, that sam was having that conversation of you know am i going to live or die and he goes but why now why do i have to die now that was his big question and he lit up as soon as he got, he got an answer and he just lit up. His face turned into a 10 year old. He was smiling and his eyes lit all up. And he goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And just drifted back into my arms and, and, and I felt him go and he was gone. Wow. So, I tell people, you know, from that experience, uh, and then time started happening again, you know, everything. Hey, how's he doing? I go, he's, he's gone. Uh, 
But at that moment, something that I got out of Sam's death that, that came to me in words later was that I didn't realize this, but I'd always had a fear of living. I always thought I had a fear of death. But, but in that instance, I realized I'd never given 100% to my life. Yeah. Sam had. Yeah. Good or bad. He right. Had, he was 100% into every movement he did. Right. Any, any decision he made, he was in it. Yeah. And I hadn't. And at his death, and I got that over the course of the next couple of months, that he got me over my fear of living seeing him die yeah because we all get one shot and it's going to happen to every single one of us you know right, so right. it really put that spiritual side to me and it changed me in a, in, a, in a way i had i had closure for sam's death now do you think that on some level he knew he would be forgiven if he still believed in jesus yeah i, I, I he didn't believe in religion right he believed in your own personal relationship with truth yeah whatever that was you that voice you talk to when you go to sleep yeah and you hope things are going to work out yeah and all you can do is have trust in it yeah that's, that's your relationship. Yeah. There's no name for it. Yeah. He didn't Religion have a name. Religion created a name for right. it. No. Not anymore. No, that was a belief that we all that we all had, that he and I had from very early on. All right. Now, so now things get weird. Yeah. Now, what what now what happened? At the time that he died, your wife was pregnant. No, at the time he died, I had a 3-year-old. Okay. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. And yeah, and she was 3 years old. Okay. So uh, I had a, a year, you know, I had to start my whole life over again. I mean, me and Sam had a 14-year story here. Uh-huh. So I, I didn't know any club owners. I had only done theaters for the last eight years. Uh-huh. I knew promoters, but I knew none of the clubs. Yeah. Uh, so I had to find a way. I, you know, I went from making hundreds of thousands a year to making 6,000 a year, Sam died. And you, well, this is that thing. that This is the wave crashing. This, you were, the you wave, were, say, you were Sam's opening act. The whole machine stopped. Yes, right. So yeah, the whole okay. thing stopped. So I'm on the survival mode, and I went from, you know, paying uh, twenty-five dollars to $3,000 a month in, in child support. You know, just how long have you been divorced? I divorced three years. So I had Angelica the first year of her life, and then I got to see her maybe 10 days over the course of the next three years. Her mother didn't let me see her much. She lived in New York. Uh, so I would do gigs out there and then go spend maybe a day or two with her. I remember running into her once in Times Square. Okay. You know, just like frenetic and crazy. Uh-huh. You want to see a picture of the baby? She really lost herself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and later was, was you know, uh, deemed, uh, she got doctor's help and is bipolar manic. Okay. But back then we thought she was a great party chick. Right. Oh, yeah. No, she yeah. was She was yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Now, now well, well, by the time I'd run into her in Times Square, I'd heard rumors okay. of things. Mm-hmm. So... And like the the rumor was Mm -hmm. that uh, that it was Sam's baby, Mm -hmm. and I had already heard that. And when she showed me the picture, I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh Well, my mom's blonde, uh, and her hair changed at five, and my and my sister's a blonde. Right. Okay. So in my in my family lineage, that's there. It's okay. Yeah, it was okay. And then and then uh, Sam approached me after she was born anyway, and said, "Listen, that's your kid. Don't let any of these rumors. That's a part of our." stuff let it let the rumors be out there but had you guys shared her oh yeah 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 we were all uh, you know but not during not when i kicked him away from our family so we can start a family but but at the time there was a lot of you know everyone was fucking everybody it was rock and roll okay it was rock and roll (laughs) okay yeah so but not at the time of us conceiving to start a family right because that was one of my things too is i knew that if if we got off the rock and roll bandwagon then it would help change sam because i was as close as compadre and yeah. if i didn't want to be around him anymore he had to make a decision right so that's what i got to and plus you know i was in my late 20s it's like it's time to have a kid it's sure. time, you know i got money i got a house I, let's do it it's, this is the perfect time uh-huh so in doing that making that decision he was all gung-ho for it 
Now, what 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 transpired to make you question the 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 the, the you know who the father was? Well, a year after he died, uh, right after that tribute show aired, yeah, I couldn't make a child support payment, so I called my ex to talk to her about how we could work this out. Right. And in that conversation, she started crying and she said, I've got something to tell you. We never meant to hit you. We never meant to hurt you. We, Carl, it just got so convoluted. And I go, what are you saying? She's not yours. Angelica's not yours. It's Sam's. We didn't know what to do. We, we didn't, you know, the yeah. biggest fist in the face yeah. you could ever I, imagine. I can't imagine. It, it, it took my whole i mean in one moment i spun back to every single memory i ever had with sam yeah you know from day one of meeting him and blah, i mean it just what all were the lies you know i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe that that had hey, happened and never they, deny never confirm kind of exactly, bitch in the ass exactly <laughs> and exactly <laughs> yeah it bit other people but not me yeah now yeah. you need some confirmation right so i i got off the phone with her and i called uh bill kennison and i yeah. said uh uh christy just said that this is sam's child did you know that and he goes yeah i did buddy uh, she called uh, the day of Sam, of your of her birth, your daughter's birth. Sam pulled me aside and said, uh, "Buddy, I don't know what to do, but that's my baby, and I can't tell Carl because if I do, I ruin everything we've ever worked for, and I can't lose him. Mm-hmm. That's my friend. Mm-hmm. I screwed up, and I don't know how to deal with this." Mm-hmm. I go, "He said that." He goes, "Yeah." Uh, so now I went into a whole. S- you know, self-sabotage. I started drinking uh, and everywhere I went, people wanted to tell me these great stories of me and Sam. Yeah. How we treated them, how we'd loaned them money, how yeah. we took care of them, yeah. how, we, what, how nice we were to their families, both, and, and fans. Yeah. Thank you for that show. I needed yeah. it back in then and yeah. back there. And, and you're just fighting the, the, the oh, desire to go, fuck I, that guy. Yeah, I'm stuck in the middle because I helped create the career and it was my friend, but and I'm looking at his fan who's so happy to meet me because they saw us perform, and I can't say, you know, the guy fathered my child, and if he was here, I, w- I would kill him right now. I want to kill him. I couldn't. So I had to bite it and, and drink through it every night, and that's when my road appearances changed. That's when I sabotaged myself for five, six years. What, was there ever a moment where you where you you looked at your relationship with Sam, you looked at your life, you, you understood the life you led, that there was any empathy in you that, that it could have happened? That I mean, you'd both been in, you know, we've all been on yeah. the moral, I'm certainly oh, you sure, guys pushed sure. the, the moral. Well, what I found, what I found is, uh, is I went to a friend's house and uh, spent the night getting high with him once. And I woke up the next day and he goes, you're not invited over here unless you clean up you know get off drugs i go what were you doing just blow and booze yeah i go what are you talking about he goes you went into my girlfriend's bedroom last night and you tried to seduce her and told her you're a better lover than me and blah 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 and i went, I have no recollection of that right he goes exactly so you're not a welcome over here till you right. get off drugs and i drove home from that going who am i to blame sam when i just did the same thing well god damn there were rumors dude there were rumors like you know that you and sam slept together Ah, uh, <laughs> they're like they're. they're well, that's, that's the one you actually can't deny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll confirm that that's not true. Well, I remember uh, Sam wrote that one joke. He goes, "You know, uh, somebody thinks it's funny to to run these rumors that Carl and I are gay." He goes, "Listen, we are spiritually." We are spiritually gay. We'll get on our knees for each other, but we won't give head. We'll give thanks. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so now okay, even with the. 
so you were able to process that after how how many years of just getting fucked up and like when, probably seven years of of really yeah. not being able to let and go and not of, still being divorced. I mean, I'm still in a court battle to get a divorce. It took me seven years to get a divorce. I had no money. There was no uh, property to split up. Uh, it just I had a lawyer that Bill Kinnison had gotten me that. And he knew he got you the lawyer before he told you that he knew. Yes. So this- so I put it all together and realized we forged a will. He got the estate. He screwed Sam's daughter and wife out of their heirness, if that's the right way to say it. They were they were do those things. Christie was. No, Malika. Oh, okay. Malika was his wife of a week when he died. Did she have a baby? No, no, no. Okay. She was his right. wife. Sure, she got sure. married that week. So she was screwed out of- And at that moment, when he had you sign that will, did he know that that- So he already knew the he kid, He already knew it? the kid. Yes, he oh, had me sign- He already knew the kid was so, Sam's. There's your villain. Had me sign the will. Mm. Yes. And then got me the lawyer that did it for free, and I would get calls every six months for the next meeting. So in your mind- so it took me seven years to divorce. And in legal mind, the- the action that he took was to make sure you or this daughter that he had with Christy would not get any money. Exactly. We were buried and he got to have the estate. Now, is that estate still kicking? I mean, I well, mean, the, the chances are in the, and uh, yes, it's still kicking, but I mean, he has a deal with HBO for a film and all these things. And this should go to his daughter. All right. So now how did it affect, like, how did all this, you know, once he started, like I have to assume that when you were going through this uh, this pressure from the uh, the law, yeah, to to pay these child support uh, payments, how did that affect your well, working life? Liens went on all my checks, so anything I get from Screen Actors Guild, any movie, any TV show I've ever done, all of a sudden, you know, eighty percent of my checks gone. Because I know you you talked about this on Stern like four what four years ago, yeah, about four years and, ago, and you basically said that that's Sam's kid, but you had no proof. Right, I had no DNA proof, so it just the core story kind of went and gone and left. But uh, I had a website and it had all my dates on there of all the clubs that I was working. And uh, the next thing I know, child services attacks all these dates that I'm doing and really harass the club so much that the clubs quit working me. So I lost a lot of work years ago, like four years ago, five years ago, uh, that was on my, you know, my calendar for years in a row. Uh, that I counted They on. got scared. And they got scared. So it was like a fucking shakedown. They it were like a, the mob. A, a big shakedown there. And then they took my, you know, with no driver's license, no passport, I couldn't start driving to gigs. So uh, LA became obsolete to me. I couldn't show up on an Holy audition. Fuck. I couldn't go to my club dates at night. I, you know, I had to have people drive me. All of a sudden, I'm the the 16 year old. I need a ride. All of a sudden, you're right back where you were when you were a doorman at the exactly. beginning. You were walking to gigs exactly. with a knife. And that's when I said, you know, if I if I have to go through all this hell, yeah, then I'm going to move away from here since LA is no good for me. It's a driving city. You got to go to auditions. Yeah. And if I can't have a life in show business, I'm going to go find out how to get my life. And that's how the pursuit of getting the DNA started. And where'd you end ago. up? I ended up in New York City. I went to New York for a year yeah. uh, and, and, and did the clubs and, and worked around there and met up with all the uh, New York and Washington guys from child services, I mean, uh, from uh, my family rights groups. And I started be- being around those men and being around those families. Alec Baldwin? And, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I met all these cats that had been through the system. And we've spoke together in public and, sh- and shared these, these family rights meetings. And I've learned a lot uh, from the pain of a, of families that go through what I go through because I'm kind of you know by myself it's me and my girlfriend but then I realized wait a minute my family's affected I moved to Texas two years ago and my brother and his wife moved from Michigan to live in an apartment near me so that my brother can drive me around and make sure I have a life that's a real that's brother. family yeah that's a real brother now okay so you're in town now 
what's happening now well, with this? Well, now I'm doing a, uh, uh, I'm going to the courthouse to file new papers. It took me six years to get the DNA from the whole family. How'd I you now, do that? Well, first of all, my, uh, I met my uh, Angelica. Yeah. Uh, she came into my life three years ago, introduced uh-huh. herself to me, and we became close. This is? This is the girl. Your daughter? Yeah. His daughter? Yes. Okay. It's kind of odd. Yeah. It's an odd spot. But you, this is after not really having contact with her. I haven't seen her since she was uh, almost four. Now, was part of that because you didn't want to see her? Well, I made the decision for the mother to raise herself and to go after the Kennison estate and to leave me out since I wasn't the for father. For Christy to go. Yes. To and take it. And yeah. since the little girl didn't know me, it was always a frightful thing when I showed up because she didn't even know but me. But you were still the only one given child support for how many years? Well, for those three years. Okay. And then later on, I was forced to pay after I gave up on my court case because I, was, I had no money. So she had a very wealthy father that just pursued it and pursued it. It took seven years to split it up. And I just gave up one day. So I had that court case put on me to pay for her. And then a year later found out that all these lies had been a part of my life. And I just quit paying. And, and I started, I'd started my binge toward uh, my suicide attempt in 2000. You tried to kill yourself yeah, for I real? Yeah, I tried to hang myself. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from all, the, all, this, all these lies, all these stories. And I, I wasn't having a life. They took my driver's license and my passport away in 97. Because you couldn't pay child support. Right. And that Sam was my friend. And that's his daughter. And she's not recognized. She doesn't get any financial help. And it's not just on me. It, Sam should be taking care of his daughter. If Sam's spinning right now in his grave. So... I'm going to tell this whole story this week. I'm filing new papers. I've got DNA from everybody. Yeah. It's a phenomenal story. That's another show altogether on the DNA chase. But I got them all. I got Richard Kennison's DNA uh, six weeks before he died. Mm. He found out that Sam had a daughter and didn't even know it. Bill never told him. So the only one you weren't able to get was Bill, I imagine. And Bill was a holdout. So when I went to Richard's funeral, Bill showed up. And after I spoke about his brother, came up to me and said, I'm sorry for all these years. I want Angelica in our life. That's Sam's daughter. That's my niece. And I want to take care of her. And I promise I will. And what does she want? And I said, I'll forgive you only if you give me DNA to give that girl proof that she's Sam's daughter. And he said, I'll do it. And he did it. Oh, man. And that's how I got it. So I'm going to go in and, and explain to the courts what happened, how there was a fraud from the very beginning, that the, the state was fraudulently possessed and gotten, and how all this worked out. And let the court decide. And let the public decide. Jesus. How a guy like me, or millions of guys like me, yeah. paternity, they find out they're not, we're not the fathers of our children, and the, the, the courts really don't help out that much, and you only get a year or two to find out or else the DNA is no good. That's what I was told back then. It's like, yeah. oh, you only had a year or two to find out. Yeah. Now, we're, now we're looking at six years later, seven, eight years later. So, But it's conclusive. Yeah. Um, the stuff I have is absolutely conclusive. I am 0% the father, and then I've got the two Kennison brothers, the ex-wife and the daughter, and it's all compared. And she is a Kennison. Now, legally, I don't think I can say it's Sam. So it's either Richards, Bills, or Sam's. <laughs> but Sam was the only one that had a key to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so everybody gets their cross to carry, and this is mine. Now, and uh, how's the girl? She's 21. Uh, she's really bright. Uh, she's now the spitting image of Sam, uh-huh. uh, which which cracks her, her up and me. But she was raised in in New Jersey, and she knows she's known this since she was twelve. Uh, her mom told her when she was twelve, uh-huh. 
and she's just got she's got a lot of sides of Sam, which is that aggressive going for it thing. She uh-huh. wasn't afraid to meet me, uh-huh. but but she was she's very friendly, and she's she got that little face, and yeah, little yeah. hands come up like yeah, this when yeah. she talks to you, uh-huh. and and you fall in love with her. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, she's, and you she's got like, a relationship with her. Now. Yeah, I have a relationship. And with with her. I told her her dad's gone, but yeah. I'm here. Oh, that's nice. so I answer all of her questions for her about and, him. Yeah, she wants to know everything about him. She oh. didn't know her father. And what about with Christy? Uh, Christy, I've talked to once, and uh, she's moody because of, you know uh, that mental illness is pretty tough. And this this suicide attempt, Carl. I mean, it just seems so so unlikely. You must have gotten pretty fucking far down. You had nothing, I, I, huh? I had you nothing. Just, no. And how, I didn't have a child. I didn't have a friend. I didn't trust anybody. Uh, it, the, the you know, I my bank account was being robbed every every couple months. They just go and nothing take you could money. do about it. No, and you couldn't afford to do anything about on it. Me. No, exactly. So I couldn't afford to fight it. Oh, you know, I'm like God. the regular guy. I make enough money to pay my bills, but I don't have the money to buy an extra car or take a vacation. But I'm that working comic. So that's what really affected my life. Is that it, it, they kept taking from me. So I had to call those shit gigs we don't want to do, and yeah, you have me next weekend. Yeah. You know, and you go in there and work for it just to pay your bills and get by. And it took its stress on me and Sarah, the girl I've been with for, you know, 14 years uh, when I left her four years ago. So and, so you're in a room with a rope? Yeah. I'm in a room with actually two belts. I put them together in Vegas. Were you high? Oh, I had to get high to do it. I mean, I'm drunk, not high. I yeah. got drunk to do it. Uh, but I was downstairs, and that night somebody came up and gave me another Sam story. Yeah. And then you guys did this. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And thank you. <laughs> Wasn't he a great guy? I mean, just tell me another story about Sam, you know. And and I went, I'll be right back. Uh, no. Yeah. And I took that walk down. the. I was at the MGM Grand. And yeah. I took that long walk down the hall. And I got on the elevator with a family and a kid. And they were going up the elevator. And I just watched them love all over this little girl. And I just started crying. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I, my family was stolen from me. All my dreams were stolen from me. And I went to the room. And I hooked the whole thing up. And I just tied it. And I said, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to jump off the edge of this bed and just let it break my neck. Mm-hmm. And I jumped off. And bam, my knees hit first. And I kind of slid into the belt. And I went, oh, God, dang, dang, this hurts. <laughs> You know what I mean? It was this horrible, and uh, I couldn't undo it. But I wasn't choking. I was yeah. just breaking my lar- my talking box, yeah. you know. And I finally got it unhooked, and then I just laid there and, and just saw it all. It all became so clear. I go, "Oh my God! They almost won. Bill almost won. Uh. If I would have died, Bill would have had everything, and this girl never would have got her acknowledged. And that's when I made the promise I was going to." change yeah and i totally changed that day yeah i went into a to to get the start of my cleanliness and uh and i started making my amends to people and i just slowly got back into who carl was and what he where he was from and i brought that back into my life and i left here four years ago went out to new york with just a bag and found a found friends to stay with started a career spoke out in washington found these family rights people uh, and I did you know, Lincoln Memorial and hosted. I met judges and lawyers, and I met hundreds of guys, thousands of guys like me, that found out they weren't the fathers of their children, and 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 got into that cause. You became an activist. You became an activist. Well, fuck! I'm glad yeah. you didn't die. It's great to see you. And I, the one thing I I know that you didn't say when you went uh, to fall off the bed with belts on your neck that there was no slow motion. No. <laughs> Not thank, a note check. Thank, thank, thank God. <laughs> yeah, right. It's only when you see it coming. <laughs> well, I thought you might because you made the decision. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> but, no, eyes are shut when you jump from a bed, by the way. 
<laughs> well, fuck, Carl. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me, and, and thanks for uh, being honest, and I, and I hope this all works out in your favor. And uh, It's already worked out. My life has worked you're out. You're sober, too? Oh, yeah. My life has worked out. So this is the other stuff. This will be the, 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 the firestorm that I'm going to start. There are other people have to be have to stand up for their, you know, their lies yeah. that they created. Okay. Someone's going to have to acknowledge, and I know Sam's on the other side of this, pushing for the goodness of it, too. That's his daughter. So I'm fighting for her. I'm fighting for him and his memory. And I've forgiven everybody. I'm just mad at the law. Okay. And I'm mad at Bill. So I just want to work this thing out. <laughs> Thanks for being you here, guys, man. You're welcome. Nice Good to see to you, see you. too. Well, that's it. That was a great conversation. Take from it what you will. Think what you want. That was good for me. It got me a little closure for myself. It also introduced me to a whole other series of, of Carl's problems in the world that he's been living in. But I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you can, go to WTFPod.com, kick in a few shekels, get on the subscriber thing, doing that thing, get yourself a t-shirt, do the 250 super premium one-time donation. I'll give you one of each t-shirt, three of my CDs, a special WTF best of volume one CD, some stickers, a postcard, do the $10 a month rolling donation. I'll get you a shirt, some stickers, a postcard, and my my gratitude. Go to justcoffee.coop. Do that thing. Do it at WTF Pod if you want. Get the WTF blend. I get a little kickback from that. Go to WTF Pod Shop. Get any of those premium episodes. Go get yourself a WTF app. And you can have access to all of the early episodes. You can stream and enjoy them. Coming up on Thursday, very excited, the Comedy Film Nerds. I don't know if you listen to that podcast, but me and Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini are going to talk Oscars. That's right. Still means something to me. I know. Think what you want. And I'll see you in Salt Lake City this Wednesday on the 23rd, or Kirkland, Washington on the 25th and 26th, Friday and Saturday, right near Seattle. Okay, I got to go. I really do. <laughs>